You know what I love so much about life with God is um, I love how loud and expressive the worship can go and then how quiet and holy it gets. And then by the time we're done, how loud it'll get again. You know, I, I, I think some of y'all are going to be really shocked when you get to heaven at the volume levels. Listen, man, Israel, they, imagine 120 trumpets going at the same time. You can't handle your kid playing the violin. One of them. Sounds like somebody's stretching a cat. Well, imagine 120. You know, that's funny. That's what kids learn how to play violin sounds like. There's this thing where God's like, hey, make a loud noise. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Let the whole earth. Learn. I was out praying. I spent my whole prayer time this morning until I finally heard the birds. And I'm like, oh, they've been praying the whole time. Like, where you been, Corey? They, they praised the Lord so loud one time that the earth shook. And you got to pray for healing for ears. Come on, everybody. God's going to do something in your life today. In a, in a sermon that the Holy Spirit has shown me. Uh, that's going to be incredible. Hey, we do need to talk about the Super Bowl. I had to Google who was even in it because like, I don't watch football. I watch like real football, which is, you know, English soccer where, where men are men. And fights never look like junior high girls slapping each other. That's not what it looks like. And people don't dive and hold their body parts and then hold other body parts. And uh, We're actually going to watch that here at the church. If you guys got nothing to do and you want to come out, come on out for a venue approved Super Bowl. It might be the first time in your life you've had a venue approved one. Um, <laughs> you're like, what does that mean? Just ask somebody. Um, hey, what are you guys doing on uh, like Wednesday, say around 7? We have our grand opening here. And I'm bringing, like, I don't know if any church has done what we're doing. We're bringing my pastor friends from all over the country and from the states. And Pastor Nate, who's one of my pastors, you saw from Pastor Peter. Uh, that's Pastor Nate. He's the executive. And Pastor Peter is, the, uh, is my pastor. You guys are going to want to come and hear from him and hear from these other pastors that we're bringing in here. It's where God is going to show us what he wants to do in Airdrie. And then we're going to go out and execute it in the next years to come. And so, you know, it sounds sort of funny, but I was driving home last week. After this incredible church project that so many of you helped with and so many of you gave so sacrificially for, I, I was driving home and I told Ailish, I'm like, did we build a church that's too small? <laughs> it was just ad services and it's great, but I, I love what God is doing in our city right now. And, um, and listen, there's going to be in five years, there's going to be like two, two groups of people in town, people who came to the grand opening and people who didn't. So, you had a chance to be there and you missed it because of what? Because you didn't put a reminder in your iPhone? Holy habits, guys. Holy habits. You're going to be like, oh, my goodness. Greatest regret of your life, I'm telling you. Um, hey, uh, so I have one more sermon. I'm preaching today about um, three Jewish boys getting thrown into a fiery furnace, which is going to be awesome. And if you're not from church, you're like, what? Oh, yeah. The Bible gets real. You're like, the Bible doesn't understand the pressures that we live under today. going to preach uh, about Daniel going to the lion's den and uh, what he thought was worth uh, 
getting eaten by lions, basically. What he thought was worth being eaten by lions and what God is going to show you in that sermon as well. But in between there, uh, next week, Pastor Nate's bringing a sermon that you're going to want to hear. That's for you, Vinny Church. And so that's going to be awesome. Um, in March, I'm going to actually preach a series called How Family Works. And so uh, just because you have a family or, you know, or a future family or friends, or I'm going to just show you how the relationship, who gets to do what to who, it's going to be super practical. And, and don't think that the irony is not lost on God asking me to preach that. One time, do you want to hear something? Somebody asked me like, when is Neela's uh, birthday? I have uh, four daughters, Neela's right here. And I'm like, I, when is Neela's birthday? I have four kids. Like I... I'm shaky at the best of times, you know. I remember my mom's birthday. I wake up August 31st screaming at five in the morning, like, oh my goodness, it's my mom's birthday. You think, you think I'm joking? Somebody asked me, like, when is Neela's birthday? I'm like, I don't know. I have too many kids. I don't know. And Aaron, you know when you're, if you're married, your wife gets like dead quiet and it's not admiration? She's like dead quiet. And I'm like, whoa. You know, that got tough crowd you know I'm like what and she goes you don't remember Neela's birthday I'm like it's the same as my birthday and I'm like oh my goodness where was I that's what I said literally that's what I said and I'm going to be preaching about how family works you guys are going to love it and if God can save our family God can definitely save yours thanks Sean uh, okay this whole series is called holy habits last week we said that how you do anything is how you do everything. You got to start thinking in terms of the harvest I want tomorrow, I sow in a habit I start today. And we're not talking about big things. Don't get your eyes off of the big things. The enemy always wants to focus you on Goliath, but Goliath doesn't get beaten uh, uh, on the day of facing Goliath. David practiced a lot with the sling and a stone before he ever got there. He gave God something to anoint. He gave a seed that allowed God to use... So his weapon was never going to beat Goliath, except for God just kind of, you ever seen those baseball, ever been in a batting cage and those machines that you drop something in? Well, that's David. I mean, his little teenage arm, like, it's okay, but God just like, boom, and like guided that thing. And like one rock was all it took. Listen, God wants to do that. But the, the Goliath tomorrow goes down by the habit that you start today. It doesn't feel like much today. And that's the tough part of that. Cause you're like, well, God, if it was something big, I would do it. No, God's like... It's called investing. It's called sowing seeds so that God can bring you the harvest that you want. Now, can I, can I say that I, I started a, a habit years ago um, driving because I always think that I always tell my kids, like, I'm an incredible driver. I have way too much confidence. I'm so amazing at driving. Like, so good at this. Anybody else a great driver? Come on. All the men are like, uh, I want to raise my hand. I think I am, but... Um, you know what? It's not talent that has kept me out of like a hundred accidents. You know what it is? Something that doesn't sound like a big deal. Shoulder checking. It is shoulder checking. It doesn't take a talented person to have shoulders, you know? <laughs> Too much of your life, you're like, if I was only talented, if I only had the money that they had, if I only had the wife that... Careful. No, no. If I only had, then... No, 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 no. You have shoulders. And... Just my little shoulder checking has saved me from a hundred accidents. You know, a bad habit in life is like texting and driving. Now, do we have anybody who still does that? I gotta, I gotta, don't raise your hand. Seriously, that's a, that's a trap. 
we send that off to the RCMP. The, the, now I got a distracted driving ticket. It was like 300 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, I was holding my phone so that I could argue with my wife. True story, actually. Cost me 300 bucks to argue that day. Now I, I, I don't, you know, text and drive as much. Now I voice to text and drive, which is even more dangerous because I spent all my time yelling at my phone, like, stupid Siri, that's not what I said, and you know that's not what I said. Don't charm me with your South African female accent. That's what, what's on my phone right now. Do you guys know Lilani at church? She's got this little South African voice. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. I'm gonna have that on my phone. Well, then I spent all day yelling at him, like, that's not what I said, and you know that's not it. I just about told Sean Gibson one time to like, and there was a bunch of like bad words in it. And I'm like, that's not what I'm sending to him, Siri. And you know that that's not. Don't like predictive text me. <laughs> now here, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Speaking of shoulder checking and a bad habit. Have you ever had a, mis a misread on yourself? A misread on yourself. I know you think that you see yourself. You spend a lot of time with yourself. So you think like, well, I know myself, you know. Then you get everybody around you to try to meet your needs that you think you have. You ever had a misread on yourself? Having a misread on yourself is like not shoulder checking. You know, misread on yourself is like, cause shoulder checking not only tells you where they are, it tells you where you are, right? And so I think, I think most of us today, um, there are areas in our life, lives where we just have a complete misread on ourselves, you know. I asked a dangerous question because my small group is the young and free small group, which is college and career, which is super fun. Probably the best small group in church, including everybody else's. And, um, and it's fun, but my two teenage daughters are in there and that's weird. <laughs> like, dad, tell us of the stories of your dating mishaps. You know, like, <laughs> totally, I totally will. Um, so I asked a question and it was, got super awkward in the room. I'm like, so I asked my daughters, I'm like, I can't remember what I asked. Oh, what's it like living with me? Do you think you have courage? Try that one on sometimes. What's it like? Everyone gets dead quiet. And then Arwen, because Arwen's confident. That's the thing. Don't have confident kids and a confident, smart wife. Marry dummy. Have, a, have dumb kids. One of my greatest regrets in life. Because then everybody would be like, oh, you're incredible. Look at these. Now it's like. He's allowed to live in this home. Whatever. Everybody needs to help people. They just need to feel needed, right? And so they don't have to live with me. They get to live with me. And so, but then she said, she said something very interesting. She said, you're very direct, but we're used to it. I'm like, that's a funny way to say a compliment. <laughs> Sometimes you got to dig for the compliment a little bit like You know, it's funny, like I should know this about myself and my wife tells me all the time, we'll be out to eat with people. We went out to eat, you know, and she didn't do it this time, but most of the time she kicks my leg under the table. <laughs> Stop talking. Oh my goodness. We're going to lose all our friends. <laughs> she does that. She does. You don't think it when she looks, she's all like nice and, but she's kicking underneath like, Stop talking. you know, um, she has to remind me when I'm talking with people that I can be intimidating talking to people. Now, as I say that, it's embarrassing for me to say that because I don't think that way about myself. 
I'm like, I'm not intimidating. Like, Emil in church, he's intimidating. Have you met Emil? Oh, he scares me. And he's probably super nice. But I'm like, intimidating? What do you mean? She's like, well, you're just so direct. You just, like, you're just, you just get to the root of it right away. She's like, not everybody had your dad. Not everybody had your mom. Have you met Pastor Beth? Well, she'll tell you what she thinks. Just very direct. That was just our home growing up. It was just, it wasn't hurtful. It wasn't, you know, some homes are uh, sarcastic. Our home was very sarcastic, but not in a, like a cruel way, just in kind of a funny way. It's a sarcastic church. If you're new, I'm Pastor Corey, and I'm a sarcastic pastor. If you're new to church, you're like, oh, this is great. This must be normal. <laughs> it's not really. Um, you're going to have to get used to that. The... <laughs> Having a misread on yourself. How dangerous are you when you have a misread on yourself? Um, Aaron, Aaron's like, you know, Pastor Aaron's like, you're intimidating to people. I'm like, I am not intimidating. <laughs> oh, I see it. I see it. I, I get where. When you have a misread on yourself. Um, you know who that might frustrate a lot? God. When I have a misread on me. Do you think that it's not frustrating to God? Some of the most frustrating people for Pastor Aaron and I to pastor are people who have misreads in themselves. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about myself and about some of you, when, when, there's, when you have a misread on you, some of the, the, listen, can I just say it like this? If you're good at something, everybody knows that you're good at something. But if I have to tell you that I'm good at something, and like keep telling you, right? So... I'll be like, because I know in the back of my mind, I'm trying to be something that I'm not yet. And so I'll be like, I'm, I'm patient. You know how you tell that you're not really? Either you had to say it and be one of your kids get quiet. You know, you're on the phone with your girlfriend and you're like, oh, I'm such a patient mother. And I just, shut up, you two. If I come over there, these kids, can you, yeah, I'm so patient. I'm just working on my patience right now, you know? Or like, I'm super organized until you get into your own car. Like, well, who am I talking about right now? It's this thing that it starts in, in kind of a, a good place, but it ends in a really sort of an odd place. Now, I'm going, to, um, I'm going to talk to a group of people who are kind of church people or at least headed in that direction, um, hopefully. And if you're, listen, if, if you haven't come into the family of God and been adopted by God through the, the sacrifice of Jesus, we'll sort that out for you in the prayer corner right after church. We'd love to do that and get you on a discipleship track and get your life turned around and into a place where God wants you to live. Um, but in talking to church people, you know, it's very difficult to convince church people that they have idols. Because you come from outside there and the idols out there are pretty obvious. But then you come into church and after a few years, you can actually make idols of kind of odd things. And it's hard to, to convince church people that we actually make idols and serve them too, just like you used to out there and just like your friends do out there. It's like just obvious when it's not you, right? But church people do this all the time. You'll have an idol of, you can make an idol of your marriage. You make an idol of sports, you know? Um, there's all sorts of things that you can make an idol of your family. I just felt like I needed to say this. If you make an idol of your family, and I, when I hear this, it worries me a little bit from a Christ follower. Like my family is the most important thing. I'm like, I think God... God's family ought to be the most important thing. And when your family's in God's family, then don't you think he'll kind of work it all out? But every person I've ever said who's like, my family's most important, more important than church. Every person I've ever heard say that lost their family too. Because there's just something that you can make an idol out of things that shouldn't be idols. Um, 
Daniel uh, chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So that's like 90 feet. That's like nearly four times the height here. Back then, there was no like robots. There were slaves. I wish I had enough slaves to build. <laughs> hey. My kids sometimes I'd be like, hey, little dish slaves, get over here and empty out the dishwasher. That's why we had you guys. If you think I'm a monster, it's because you don't have kids, so nobody cares what you think. You always have great ideas for the two-year-old, you know, for the mom with her two-year-old who's a little Nazi in, in the grocery store. And you're like, oh, she just needs to be gentle with that child. Yeah, try it sometime. Come on, relax. Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of all these instruments and the horn and the flute and the electric guitar and the drums and the... When you hear all these instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses, this is where it gets real. Anyone who refuses will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So this is where you have to say, okay, so these guys are facing a lot right now and a lot more than I'm ever going to face in my lifetime. And then I got thinking, you know, if you grew up in church and you read that, because in Sunday school, I read that and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. They had a blazing furnace. This is like kind of like a hundred miles, maybe south of Baghdad. You don't need a furnace in Baghdad. I'm Canadian. We need furnaces. I'm like, they would have this furnace. I'm like, what's this furnace for? Did they build it as good incentive to bow to this crazy idol that's 90 feet tall? I mean, what's it for? That's a giant barbecue, right? I'm like, this is how my mind works, right? It's just, not a people barbecue. You don't have to get weird. It's just like a barbecue barbecue. Seriously, I feel like you took that in a direction I wasn't even going. That's my mom, everybody. Can you give my mom some love? She gets to, she gets to live with me. Now, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the COVID snitches... Too soon? Okay. Some, some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Um, but there are some of you like that. You loved it. Okay. But there are some Jews, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to, your, to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered these three poor guys to be brought before him. When they were brought, he said, is this true? That you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up. I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what? God will be able to rescue you from my power. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Now watch this. This is what I want for you. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, can you imagine a life... Where like, you need to care about what some people think about you, but not what everybody thinks about you. Can you imagine a life where you're just like, we don't need to defend ourselves. King David is like, the Lord is my defense. Say what you will. The Lord is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, my strong tower. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, can you even imagine saying this? Like, if we're thrown there, like, okay, if that happens, the God whom we serve is able to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And then maybe a, a powerful sentence you need to get a hold of. This one of my favorites. But even if he doesn't. But even if, it, even if I don't get what I want. Even if I don't get delivered. Even if, if the worst thing happens. Watch this. We want to make it clear. I just want to be very general right now. Like, oh yeah, no, we were totally out there. We probably did bow. You just missed it. <laughs> Wait, they couldn't see us unless they were not bowing too. You should throw them into the first. You know. We want to make it clear to your majesty that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. We will, we won't bow. That's the sermon title today. We won't bow. Now, I know when you read that story, you're thinking that you're, you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because nobody's like, I'm going to be King Nebuchadnezzar in the story. Right? Like, you're always Jesus when you read it. You're never the disciples, right? They're like, oh yeah, those disciples. What a bunch of idiots. You know? What if you're not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What if you're Nebuchadnezzar? Watch, watch. Is it possible to create in your mind a version of yourself that's not real? here's what I want to say, just because I just need to drop a truth grenade out there. We all do that. There's something in your life, maybe a lot of things in your life, that you have a version of yourself that's not real. It's not you. It's a version of yourself. Why did Nebuchadnezzar get so upset about this? Because here's, why do you get so upset? Because you have to defend what you build. But if God builds the house, you don't have to defend it. God defends it. So you'll labor in vain to build this other thing. But we all do it though, right? And that's why we get so touchy and all our triggers are around these places. When we have a misread on ourselves, and we're actually, we create this other thing. We create this image. See, Nebuchadnezzar had himself, and then he had a version of himself that he actually wanted people to worship. You don't evaluate worship, right? You don't evaluate worship. You got to be careful, dads, in your home that you don't want your kids to worship you, Right? Yeah, you need to be dad and they need to do what you say. But to worship you? Come on, married girls, to worship you? To teenagers, nobody going to worship you. But that's what we want. We want our parents to like, but you don't understand, mom. You don't understand. I'm not going to do the same stupid things that you did because I'm better than you were when you were my age. Your mom's like, that's what I said to my mom. And then I did all the stupid things. All right, here's our sermon thought right here. Nearly all of us build a version of ourselves we want to, people to believe is not who we really are. Nearly all of us build a version of ourselves we want people to believe, but it's not who we are. Can I show you? It starts in a place that's not really bad, I think. Can we just get, can we just like swim in deep waters here for a second? So, so when you're a kid, Right? This normally happens in childhood, I think. When you're a kid, something happens and you start getting a little bit fractured or, or hurt or betrayed. Or Sometimes you remember that conversation that a school teacher had with you or called you out in front of the class or 
Just these like kind of wounds, you know, these things that happened to you or your dad wasn't who he was supposed to be or somebody hurt you or abused you, you know, and you have these places that the real you gets fractured. And then from that point on, what happens is you create, you have to, you almost kind of create another version of you just to make it through the day sometimes, you know. You make this other thing out here now for protection and for safety and for survival. Survival turns ugly in the end, though. But we, we do it at the beginning, and I kind of get why we do it. I think we all do it. We create this other version out here that isn't really who we are, but it's who now we're trying to project. Right? So, so it starts in a good place, too, because it's like this is who we want to be. I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to have all these triggers. I don't want to be a psycho. You know, so we create a non-psycho. But it's funny that when you create this, then you fail or you sin or you do the same things that were done to you as time goes on. It's funny that the insecurity and the, just the fracture, just the brokenness here, it, it doesn't, it doesn't translate into this. So we're like, that's who I ought to be. So that's why I'm going to, and so part of that's good, but then part of it's not being real because this is what's really going on. And this is what you wish was going on. But then the more that you talk about this and then, you know, like when you meet somebody on the street, you, you don't like, I have a huge pornography addiction. <laughs> like, sorry to go there, but like, you just don't go there. Right. Like, I'm like, oh man, I don't know how to talk to, I'm angry at my kids all the time. You're like, no, you, you, you do it for protection. You do this like whole thing where see the, but the real you is back here. And, um, what if we could create a church that God wants us to build? that celebrates this though that like gets into this and so people come in there you want this like tidied up thing over here let's project this well churches we did this for generations and it didn't work because that's not really what's going on that's why in small groups we're like just take we want you to have a place that's safe enough to take the mask off so that you can be like get to the place where you're like this is really what happened this week and then we celebrate it and we're like, I'm so proud of you for seeing that. And that took a lot of guts. Like that takes you back to some weird places, right? But what if we had a church that didn't care about this thing out here, this other, you know, this other uh, projection. Now, see, this here is a world without mirrors. This here, this is who you want to be, but who you're not. And then it starts becoming so, so you actually, now this is the world without mirrors. The word of God says that, that. When you read it, you read the word of God in the morning. I hope you read it every morning. That'd be a good habit. It says, you see what you're really like because it's a mirror. You're like, oh, I'm not bad. So, so a good holy habit would be read the word. You know, the next good holy habit, number two, would be to do it. Because it says, okay, you can read it, but then if you don't go and do it, then you go out and you look at yourself in a mirror and forget what you look like. Because this thing here doesn't have pimples. This thing here is like trim and fit, but it's not you because you like chips. You know what I mean? And so we start presenting this thing. So we almost try to put like a mirror, but the wrong way. We walk out here with a mirror that's like, hey, I'm going to tell you all about you. Because right? Right? that's easier than like looking in a mirror all the time and being like, oh my goodness. That's not good. Who wants to wake up to that in the morning? You know? like, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, she gets to live with me. Like, oh my goodness. And here's what we want. We want other people to worship the thing that we created 
We don't want it evaluated. We want people to worship it and adore it and love it. And this is what I hear all the time, and this is a huge thing in a whole generation right now. That's like, accept me for who I am. What about all the nasty things, too? Is that what we're talking about? You mean love you or accept you? Right? Because Jesus loves you the way you are, and we do, too. And look, you can go out and blow your life up and try to blow us up, and we're still going to love you. But if you want to eat and live indoors, kids, there are some things you're going to have to do. Like, there's conduct for how we live in a house with people and how we play in the sandbox. And when I say to you, I'm like, hey, this is who I am, all, and I want you to accept all of me, you're like, are you talking about this thing too? Because that's not you. This you is flawed and broken, and yeah, we get it. This me is like, I'm not flawed and broken. And if I'm sinning, then you have to accept sin too. Whoa, whoa. You want people to accept sin? You want to bring sin into a relationship, and you want people to accept that and be cool with that? It creates a, like a sin blackmail. Well, you do that thing. I'm going to do this thing. God's like, why don't you separate yourself from this thing that you built? Why don't you separate yourself from your sin and be like, ooh, that thing's creepy. Like, oh my goodness. Did I do that thing again? Because flesh hates being laughed at. Hey, did I do that stupid thing again? I totally did, didn't I? I'm the last one to know, man. Like if you can get to that place, then maybe God can start healing what really needs healing. But see, you're so afraid of rejection now. That you're like, but people wouldn't love this one. Can I say this? How would they know? How would you even know? Because when you got married, this is who they married. And then they just spent 20 years connecting to it. And then you're like, I don't feel like I'm being connected to. That's because you're back here. And that's not you. And then they just spent 20 years and they wake up and they're like, that's not you? What were we talking about this whole time? That's not even you. Why didn't you tell me you were afraid of it? Why didn't you tell me about that hidden thing? Why didn't you tell me what your dad did? What did... See, this impresses people. You might impress them with your strength or this projection, but you connect in your weakness. What if we valued the weakness? You're like, yeah, but, but God is strong and he, I need to impress God. You're going to impress God? He's like, I just want to connect in, in your weakness. I'm strong. In your relationships, in your weakness, I'm strong. When you embrace it and are finally like, yeah, okay, I'm working on some stuff. You start impressing. This is where it gets creepy. Can I just say this? You start impressing this version of you. You live under its eye in the plane. And you're just like, <sighs> I got in an argument with somebody one time. And I actually said out loud, I'm like, are there cameras in the room that I don't know about? Am I being punked? Who are you talking to? There's just you and me here. Who's the show for? I realized I knew what was going I knew the real person was back here. I'm like, they also knew that the real person was here, but this is who was talking. I'm like, that's not even you. Who's this for? <laughs> Can we just talk about this? This is the issue. This, if this got fixed, everything gets fixed. But they still kind of had to project this and they were so afraid of it. And I'm just like, sooner or later, you've got to sell out the idol that you made. Sooner or later, you just got to be like, yeah, no, I don't need that anymore. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
If you wait until you see it, you never will. People don't have enough. There's not enough years in your life for you to wait and see it. Because anybody can tear down an idol they see. What about the one that you don't see that everybody else has to live with? That's where you need the body of Christ. That's where, let's be honest, you need the Holy Ghost. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And because the king had demanded such a hot fire, the flames killed the soldiers that threw the three men in. This thing eventually will light a fire in the people that love you. It'll, it'll burn them all, you know? It's like that leprechaun in The Simpsons, like, burn them all. Nobody watches The Simpsons? That's a leprechaun. That's where I met the leprechaun in the sandbox. He told me to burn things. Yeah, this thing tells you to burn things. You know, at first it's kind of okay, but after a while. <laughs> Just YouTube it. It's the thing. Simpsons, leprechaun. So it says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Securely tied. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see, watch this, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Don't you dare waste the fire of COVID. It revealed your idols. Don't you dare waste it, Canada. The fire of COVID, it, re it, it, it showed us. But Nebuchadnezzar's like, I see four men unbound that fire, that same fire that you used to like to sacrifice and have everybody sacrifice to you could actually, God could actually turn it and unbind the people in your life. And it says the, there's fourth in the flames. There, there, most of Christian thought is that this was the son of God, Jesus, incarnate before he came and was born as a baby. Guess where Jesus is, everybody? In the fire, in the furnace. You're like, I can't start good habits until after the furnace. And he's like... But that's where I am. Come on up, team. Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they stepped out of the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God. Now this is where it gets to. Because Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be praised and he made an idol that he wanted to be praised. But if you ever help somebody tear down that idol... He doesn't say praise to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says praise to the God of. Because it won't belong to you either. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Would you just decide to trust today? Would you just decide to let it go? And be like, okay, today's the day. I don't need this anymore. They defied the king's command, were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Yeah, well, at least the three of these guys would have died as themselves. 
there are three holy habits that I have for you today. I want you to write them down. I want you to do them as soon as you get out of here. I want you to establish them every day. Very simple things. You ready? The first one is this. A man named C.S. Lewis, who was far from God, came to faith in Christ. And he said, there's a prayer that we should pray before every other prayer. You ready? It's powerful. May it be the real me who speaks and the real you I speak to. He's like, don't ever assume that it is. Start there. May it be the real me. I need to be speaking out of the real place now. The real place that's scared. The real place that's a seven-year-old kid that's worried about being rejected and left. I need to tell you, God, I need to tell my small group something. God, the real me. The real one, not this other thing. And may it be the real you I speak to because when this one speaks, it doesn't speak to the real God. It speaks to a God that's impressed by it. But this one, may it be the real me that speaks in the real you that I speak to. Number two, do life with people who won't bow to that version of you. You got to get in a small group. Do life with people that won't bow to that other thing. Do life with people who don't care about that other thing, who don't value it, who make fun of it, but who value and love this one and just want to connect and help this one. And number three, come to the grand opening praise party on Wednesday night. It's going to be a game changer. Actually, number three, ask for Holy Ghost fire because you'll never tear down your own idol. Ask for Holy Ghost fire. Give permission today. Somebody needs to go to the prayer corner and be like, I got this thing. I don't even know what it looks like. You don't have to know what it looks like to give to give it away and to sell it out. You don't have to know. All you have to do is give the Holy Spirit permission and the church family permission and say, Holy Spirit, give me some fire. Burn this thing away, this other version. Some of you have a version of religion that's not real because it's not the real God. It's something that you kind of mixed in there. Maybe give that up today. There's, there's something in your life that we have a misread on that God wants you to be free of today. Maybe for the first time in your life. Holy Spirit, come. 